Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights. Featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Learning Insights, and this is going to be a good one. Uh, we're going to kick it off with our good friend, the sponsor of this show from Training Pros, Leanne Lankford. Welcome, Leanne. Thank you, Lee. I'm happy to be talking to you again after so long. I know. It's been a minute. Why don't you update us about what's going on at Training Pros? So we've stayed pretty busy throughout all this work-from-home mess, but of course, we've been virtual for 23 years, so we didn't have to change our working model at all. But we've gotten really busy with our clients who are trying to convert their classroom programs rapidly over to virtual classrooms. So that's something we've been helping a lot of people with and also um, helping them get virtual producers in place. So people who will be the person on the side producing the show, the classroom, while facilitator is concentrating on the actual program of facilitation. And then the other thing that we're starting to get really busy with is with all of this going on, a lot of people have gotten behind on their work of converting e-learning that needed to be converted from Flash to HTML5. Um, it's not going to be supported by after the end of this year. So there's a, a hard deadline that a, a lot of people have realized they're going to miss at this point, And we're getting busy doing that for folks as well. Do you think that uh, moving into next year that um, some of this transition into remote is going to be more permanent and uh, that that's just kind of be going to be from new normal to just normal? Yes, I do. I think I think that we've now all accepted that this is now the norm. I think a lot of people probably do miss the office, so there might be like a come in certain days kind of thing. But a lot of people are very happy with the work from home now and maybe staying for good. I read I read something the other day which kind of took me by pause, but of course I don't have school age kids anymore. But they said that this could be the end of snow days forever. <laughs> that's traumatic for a lot of folks. I know. I mean, that's like a rite of passage. That's one of those things that you just look back fondly on. But I'm like, you know what? They're right. They could just all go virtual that day. <laughs> so now, in your in your customers that have made the transition or are making the transition. Uh, is this, are you helping them get the handle on, on how to execute it today, but also to lay the groundwork so they can choose to do this if they want to moving forward? Yeah, so we're helping them more with how they deliver their training and provide that to people virtually. But yeah, we are working with them on how to do it on an ongoing basis on their own. Um, we've put together classes for their facilitators and their designers on how to turn your classroom program into virtual, how to design for virtual, that kind of stuff. So we've been doing that kind of work with clients as well. Teach them how to do it themselves kind of thing. So it's it's a fun time. Well, we appreciate your involvement in this show, Learning Insights, and we're excited to talk to the guest you brought. Who'd you bring today? Well, I brought a long-term friend and colleague, Clarissa Mitchell. She is the AVP of Talent Management at a financial institution. And we have been friends probably 12, 13 years, I'd say. And it's just an honor to have her join us. She works heavily in talent management, talent development. I think her current role is a little more talent management, but she works with a lot of the HR side of the training field. Welcome to the show, Clarissa. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Good morning. And it's Friday and it's coming up to a holiday weekend. 
So everybody should be very happy. Exactly. Well, before we get too far into things, can you kind of give us a definition of what talent management is? Yes, I hear that question a lot. Talent management in its simplest form is, is really the the process of managing the most important asset that any company has. And you've heard this said I mean, probably many times before, but the greatest asset is people. So talent management is managing people. It can go from a lot of different umbrellas. Um, talent management, depending on who you speak with, means getting the right person on board hiring. Um, you hear that called uh, more of talent acquisition. And then it can be how uh, Leanne just said about I've been in talent development, training and teaching people new skills. That's a part of talent management. And then you also hear the measuring performance, you know, based on the employees, what they did during the year, based on their objectives, can be uh, managing performance, measuring performance. And then you have the, the talent management, what I truly say, the true form that I have been in for the last eight years. And that is the process of identifying um, employees who have the potential to lead the company's uh, strategic objectives. You know, what are the plans moving forward? So identifying those employees who can actually do that, move that company forward and in, in, in what they have to do. And that is what I have been in for the last um, eight years is identifying those individuals and making sure that we retain them because we don't want them to go. So if they're a high potential, um, they they have the skills and they have the potential to go other places. So we want to make sure, one, not only are we identifying them, know who they are and developing them, but we also want them to um, stay. Now, when you're identifying a high potential, are there breadcrumbs even prior to them being hired that you know that, okay, let's keep an eye on this person or is it something that reveals itself after they've been with the company for a little bit? Well, is because talent management, like I said, the, the first process is getting the right person into the job, um, making sure that we are doing a good job at our job descriptions and, and how we develop our job descriptions and put that out there. So there can be biases that creep up in the job description. That's, a, you know, we we'll, we'll can talk about that. Um, but with the talent management of this, let's talk about the people that are already at the company, we want to make sure that we do a great job in defining the competencies that are needed for the job at hand. And if we do that correctly, are going to be able to, when we are doing our talent, um, what we call talent review and assessing um, our individuals, looking at not only their performance, but also looking at their potential, because that's where it is, is the potential to do the job as well. We want to make sure that we are basing our assessment on the competencies that we have identified and making sure that everyone, regardless of their their race or their gender or their age, every employee is looked at through the same, and we call it the same DEI lens, the same diversity, equity, inclusion lens. And that, it, that comes about 
starting with even the job description. And so now looking at the competencies and making sure that people um, are measured the same way. So now is that a, it sounds like a noble goal. Is that, is there kind of uh, systems you can put in place to eliminate bias or is this just a human thing that everybody has a bias and they don't, a lot of times they don't even know they have a bias. No, that, oh my gosh, that is a very that's a loaded question. But yes, there are uh, what we call unconscious biases um, that people don't know that they even have. Um, and especially in this current environment, um, it has been teaching me a lot. It's been teaching many people are now having those conversations that it was a, you didn't talk about race at work. You didn't talk about religion at work. There are certain things we've always, I've always been told, uh, I've been in, I'm training for about 21 years now. I've always been told you do not speak about certain things. Well, now this environment has um, opened up those conversations for us to um, speak of. And like you said, one of those things that we want to make sure in the talent process that we are reducing is bias, unconscious bias. And what that is, is those opinions of maybe about employees, when you are evaluating them, when you, first of all, when you're hiring them, um, that can take on many forms. And we want to make sure that we um, reduce some of those. And I'll give you an example. The, the, the One of the forms that bias can take on in the assessment process is the way a manager thinks or describes their employees. For instance, if you're talking about women or professionals of color, the words could be uh, aggressive um, or angry. However, when you are describing a man, you may describe that person as assertive, you know, so there is a little, we call it cold words. And you're unconscious about about that, but that is where um, a lot of training comes in. I'll give you another example. Um, women, people of color, or unrepresentative groups may are more likely to be characterized as saying when we're going through the talent uh, review process, they're not quite ready. So, but they're saying that for that group, however, for a man, uh, many times they're promoted on their potential, not necessarily their skills. So in one group, you're saying they're not quite ready because maybe they haven't, they don't have all of the skills that needed. So they are forced to prove their skills over and over and over again. Whereas a man, you will say things uh, and they have the potential to do it. They may not have done it yet, but I can see the potential in them. So again, those are unbiased ways that we even speak about our employees when we're going through not only the talent review process, of course, that's where I'm most focused on, but even when we are um, in the hiring process and how we are speaking um, and describing someone. So do we have to do like the voice? We have to have like kind of the chairs turned and uh, judge each person just for the, the skill or the talent that you need? Yes, that that is that is right. We are, when we are going through the talent review process, we want to make sure that we are basing our 
assessments on the competencies that they need and what people have done over the last two to three years. So one uh, one month in time does not do it. We need to look at performance over two to three years. We also need to look at the potential that you see in that person that they have skills that they have maybe have done already, but they also, those skills can be developed to have the potential to move the company forward. And a lot of times what we see in our talent review process, again, going back to they're not quite ready yet when we're talking about women, professionals of color versus um, when we're talking about a man, oh, he has the potential to do X, Y, and Z. So a lot of that comes with training, you know, diversity training. Many people are doing, doing a lot of that now, but we have to get past not just the training of looking at um, your unconscious bias, um, because a lot of times diversity training is used to avoid the, the lawsuits and to ensure political correctness or making sure that employees are not being harassed. But we need to go further into the diversity training and focus on making sure that all of the processes that we're doing in um, talent development and our recruiting goes deeper to train people on those unconscious biases that come up in all of the different processes that we have. Now, have you been able to develop maybe best practices or systems that help eliminate bias in this uh, talent management process? Yes, we, we're doing our best to do exactly that. We're looking at the talent assessment process. I'll, I'll talk about three different things. We're looking at the talent assessment when we are assessing those individuals and making sure that we're identifying those um, people with potential to move our company forward. I'll talk about succession planning, and that is the formal process to identify those candidates for specific roles that we need to move us forward, making sure that everyone in the company, if we have a critical role, that we have a successor to fill that role. And then we want to talk about talent development, which of course is making sure that people have the opportunities to develop into what they need to. We are giving them the skills, upskilling. That's that's the new word. We're upskilling. So in the first one and looking at talent assessment, we look at our evaluation process for biases. We want to make sure that we're consistently looking at performance expectations across all employees. We want to make sure that you're not being more lenient on one employee than um, others. So that is the first thing is going through our evaluation process and making sure that we can take out bias from there when we're looking at uh, potential, for instance, we want to make sure that all of our employees have the opportunity to develop. They're having the development opportunities that they need. And then we're going to look at succession. Um, well, let me go back and say one more thing on the uh, assessment is not only does we have found that the managers need to assess, but we want to bring in other people that have worked with that employee so we can get a 
uh, holistic view, not just the manager's view, but, you know, that employee may work on different projects during the year. And we want to make sure that other people are weighing in on that assessment to, to, to make it fair. And then we want to, the second part of that is looking at our um, formal process of how do we choose successors for your critical roles and making sure that we are going back to looking at the competencies that were is needed for that role. And hopefully we have defined those and the, the job description, what is needed. And then we're looking at our candidates. Who are those candidates who have those competencies that we need, who have the potential that we need. And so making sure that when you're choosing successors, that you're not choosing people that are looking just like you, but you're looking across your entire um, employee set in the succession planning. And then the third part of that is having looking at development opportunities. Are we giving all of our employees the same lens of development? Do they have the same opportunities? Are they getting what we call those stretch assignments, those those projects? Are they getting the visibility to be in front of senior leaders, et cetera, with that? So we need to look at, um, and we have um, in my organization looked at all three of those, how we are assessing the talent, how are we choosing our um, successors going forward, and how are we developing people to get to the next level and making sure that we can take out bias at all of those levels. Well, it sounds like when you're bringing this to people's attention and, and make them aware of it, then this type of training is something that not only can impact that organization, but it's something that can kind of spread throughout the community and into the real world, uh, because this is the skills that everybody needs, right? That could stem some of this social unrest we're having now. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, I, I really believe if, if people take a step back, I, I've learned so much in the last couple of months. If people take a step back and, and being willing, it's the, the willingness to reach across out and understand um, what people are going through, that just because it doesn't affect you, that, that moment in time does not affect you, does not mean that it's not a problem. And we need to be more sensitive to that. And a, and a lot of that comes with, with education and just not knowing and embracing that, that I don't know. It's okay that you don't know, but it's the willingness that you want to know. I think that's that's really the difference. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to know everything. We, none of us knows everything, but it's the willingness to want to know right. and learn more. Right. I find that people, you know, when they when they as an individual do something, they're quick to forgive themselves. But when someone else might do a similar behavior towards them, then they are, there's less grace. And, um, yes. you know, kind of opening their mind and, and giving a person a kind of a holistic view of what they're doing and how they're being seen, I think may be the, what you need to open their mind uh, to have more empathy. Absolutely. And I love your word that you just say, grace. 
<laughs> we all need more. We all need more of that because that is what we have been given. So it is for us to pay that forward of grace um, because we all are humans and we're all walking. Uh, we're in this together. We're all on a, uh, on a journey. And so if everybody can remember that, then I believe and I know I'm trying not to be Pollyanna, but the world could be a better place with the sensitivity and, and making sure that we give people grace. Now, in your career, uh, you've been doing this for a minute. Um, can you kind of look into the future or do you think we're making progress at a fast enough speed? I'm sure things are better today than they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But is it something that's accelerating that we're going to really see um, noticeable change in the next five to 10 years? I will say my, my first word that comes to mind is encouraged. I am encouraged. I have been um, very encouraged, one, by the organization that I work for, but I have been encouraged to hear, to be in conversations with individuals um, that things are changing in their organization. The first change that we needed is that people of color are feeling that they are not invisible anymore, that people understand or people are aware of some of the struggles that they have had, not just in the community, um, but also in the workplace, that they can talk about that now. And I see that the first thing is having those conversations as encouraged. I sit on um, a um, one of my boards um, in Consumer Banking Association, and I hear across um, several different financial institutions of people having those conversations. And I see it, of course, on our, our social media. And that's the first thing is people are having those conversations and being aware. And also that the part that is really making a difference is being aware of those struggles the differences that people have had to go through in order to get to the same place probably that your um, men have had to go through. And that that's that's a good encouraging conversation is like, what are those what are those barriers that are different? So we're not trying to fix anyone because people are already there. They're they're their own person. We're not trying to fix anyone. What we're trying to do is eliminate some of the barriers, the additional hurdles that maybe women and people of color and underrepresented groups have had to go through over the years in order to get to the same place. It's what I said earlier about in the assessment, hearing the words. Now it's it, it, more sensitive to me is hearing the words when people say uh, managers maybe characterize someone as they're not quite ready yet. Well, what does that exactly mean? And then describing a male as like he's he has the potential. So um, I think we're, we're having those conversations, and I'm very encouraged by that. That things that things will change. And then this kind of work is not just um, kind of a feel good virtue signaling kind of work. There's research that says that diverse and inclusive organizations have better performance, right? This is this can be tied to an ROI. Oh, yes. Many research that have um, pointed to saying that, hey, yes, if you have a diverse workforce, that your ROI has increased. And that is because you are having 
people to sit at the table. Um, McKinsey is one of the I, I say they're, they've always been one of the ones that's been in the lead of um, showing people that the conference board, Harvard Business Review, Diversity Inc., there have multiple studies that will show you that having a diverse, not just a workforce, but having diversity in, in our leadership. Because I have found that corporate America does not have, we don't have any um, problems or issues with hiring um, women and people of color, underrepresented groups. We don't have that. What we are seeing is that at the top levels, the leaders, that is where we need to see more representation and how do we get there. So that's where that conversation comes in is what are those hurdles that are hindering those individuals from rising to leadership levels because you will see many companies will say we we are very diverse and they are you you look across and you count the numbers they are diverse that there's difference um they're being inclusive the well i say the i in um dei the the diversity that the i is inclusive they're having the business resource groups and some people call them the employee resource groups to make sure that we're including people and people have a safe environment what is missing and i'm so encouraged that many companies are now embracing is the word equity and so it's d diversity e equity and I for inclusion. People are now embracing equity. Are we being equitable across our organization? It's equal across our organization and making sure that we eliminate those biases. So make in those hurdles that people can rise to the um, those executive, those leadership and executive levels. Well, it's a, a important cause, and we appreciate your work in this field and helping kind of educate people about uh, kind of doing that and removing these biases. Are you bullish about this, or do you feel like um, we're almost there? It sounds like, like you said, there was a time where they weren't having diverse workforces at all, so it sounds like we're past that now. And now we just got to make it more equitable up and down the org chart, not just in certain areas. Yes, you put it exactly. We need to make it equitable um, uh, across the org chart. We really do. And I'm very encouraged. I do a lot of work with um, our, our DEI. We're looking at our career development programs. We're looking at uh, our mentoring programs and making sure, and that's one thing um, I didn't say, but one thing that we have found through research um, and even in our internal research is making sure that those uh, individuals or women or people of color have mentors and have sponsors. And there's there's a difference. The, the, the mentor is for those individuals who can teach you and show you things that you need to do in your career, help you build your skills, help you build those, you know, those competencies and your, your confidence. That's, that's a mentor. But going a step further than that is a sponsor. And that's usually a leader um, in the organization that really can take someone by 
for lack of a better word, the hand and help them to help them to move their career through the organization. And we have found that one, we, we want to make sure that we are signing uh, mentors that people need to go out and, and get mentors. It, it, it's very impactful, and it's been studies that show that those individuals with mentors do better or stay with the organization longer. But let's take it a, a step further and um, identify sponsors for those individuals that we have uh, we have identified as having high potential or having the potential to move the company forward and making sure that they have the visibility um, that they need. So those are one of some of the hurdles that individuals have had to go through and our people of color, our women, that we want to now reduce. So I'm encouraged by that. Again, I always go back to that where I'm very encouraged about the conversations that we're having and the things that we are doing, not just having the conversations, but the processes we are putting in place. That is where the rubber meets the road. Right. And and sponsorship is also where the rubber hits the road because somebody is risking political capital and um, holding somebody up and saying, this is your person. So that that takes us to another level. When somebody does that, then then change can really occur faster. Yes, I agree. That is true. So now if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and connect with you, is LinkedIn the best way to do that, Clarissa? Yes, LinkedIn is the best way to do that. I made sure that I updated my email address and uh, I am usually on it all all the time. and uh, yes, I would love for people to reach out if they need want any additional information. I I really appreciate the opportunity to share my um, insights on this. This is a very passionate, uh, I would say, journey um, for me being an African American um, woman and the workplace. And I, I I find it as my mission that my purpose is to, I love developing people and I've been in training development, uh, talent development for 21 years, but now focusing on the last eight years, focusing directly on talent management and diversity. I really believe this is my purpose to help people to not only develop, but to get those opportunities uh, and make sure that we have equity in our entire organization. Well, Clarissa, thank you so much for sharing your story today. We appreciate what you're doing and you're making a difference. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right. This is Lee Cantor. Uh, We will see you all next time on Learning Insights. And remember, we could not be sharing these stories without the support of our sponsor at Training Pros. Go weeks down, 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 down